Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Mahapudi Temple is an enormous Buddhist temple found in northeastern India, and it is hugely significant to the Buddhist faith as a pilgrimage site. It's said to be built next to a descendant of the Bodhi tree, the tree that the first Buddha was sitting under when he attained enlightenment. According to Buddhist traditions, in around 589 BCE, a prince named Siddhartha Gautama meditated under a sacred fig tree. That's the name of the tree species, sacred fig. It, it wasn't a fig tree that was particularly sacred. Not at the time, anyway. Not at the time that he meditated under it. Um, and after three days uh, meditating under this tree, uh, he achieved enlightenment and became the Buddha. Now, Gautama, he definitely existed as a bloke. He, he was a real historical person. But many of the tales surrounding him are obviously wrapped up in religious myth and legend, very much like Jesus of Nazareth. So it's sometimes difficult to tell the truth from the legend. But the story goes that this place where you'll now find Mahabudi Temple is where Gautama first achieved enlightenment. The story of Buddhism goes on to talk about how Gautama, or the Buddha now, I should say, the awakened one, that's what that means, um, he spent the next seven weeks hanging out around this tree, which became known as the Bodhi tree, um, and he was there after attaining enlightenment. He's, he's chilling, he's thinking things over, you know, before then going off on his way to found a major world religion, as you do. And since the founding of Buddhism, which even today is one of the world's largest religions, um, over half a billion followers worldwide, since then, the significance of this tree and its location, the area around it, it has obviously not been overlooked. Buddhism spread and, and diversified into different schools and sects over the years. There's Theravada Buddhism, there's Mahayana Buddhism, there's Vajrayana Buddhism, and those are just the main ones. There's heaps and heaps and heaps of others, just as there are with other major religion. Christianity has Protestantism and Catholicism. Um, Islam has its Sunnis and its Shiites. Hinduism has Vaishnavism and uh, Shaivism. The lists go on. But regardless of your specific Buddhist sect, the site of the Bodhi tree is extremely significant as the place where as the place where Buddhism began. And so you can imagine how important it has been and still is to Buddhists all around the world. It wasn't long before Buddhists sought to recognize and celebrate this location, starting around the year 250 BCE with a bloke named Ashoka the Great. Ashoka was the third emperor of the Mauryan Empire, an Iron Age empire that spanned much of the Indian subcontinent and beyond. Um, and Ashoka was also a dedicated Buddhist. In fact, the faith spread enormously under his reign, and he has a lot to do with its popularity even today. 
And uh, as a devout Buddhist, uh, I'll tell you this, he put his money where his mouth was. He put he put his dollars where his dharma was. He travelled to the site of the Bodhi tree, uh, Bodhgaya, determined to make something more of this very, very holy site. And it was there that Ashoka built a shrine and a monastery uh, in Bodhgaya. And uh, he also laid down something known as the Diamond Throne. He laid this at the foot of the Bodhi tree. Ashoka's shrine uh, and his monastery, they're, they're not there anymore. Unfortunately, they haven't, uh, haven't survived the passage of time. However, the Diamond Throne certainly has. And it is still there to this very day at the foot of the Bodhi tree. Although, um, rather disappointingly, I hesitate to tell you, it is neither diamond nor is it a throne. It is just a big slab of rock with some uh, carved decorations, not even really designed to be sat on, which I think is the point. Um, I, I think uh, an empty throne is, is a Buddhist symbol representing the missing Buddha. Um, so the diamond throne is obviously a place of great worship for Buddhists. But Ashoka, he wasn't the only bloke to build religious buildings around Bodhgaya. Um, around the first century CE, some hundreds of years later, people of the Shunga Empire, they expanded the site with more structures being built, many of which are still around today. However, the most famous aspect, of course, of this site is Mahabodhi Temple. It wouldn't be built until the 5th or the 6th century CE during the time of the Gupta Empire, But unlike the relatively modest buildings put there earlier by people like Ashoka and uh, and the Shunga, Mahabodhi Temple is a much, much larger complex and most famous for its richly decorated pyramidal tower stretching 55 metres into the air right next to the location of the Bodhi tree. The Bodhi tree stands at one of the ends of Mahabodhi Temple. And there are a great many incredible things about Mahabodhi Temple, Um, but perhaps the most remarkable uh, thing about the temple is what it's made of. Um, Mahabodhi Temple is made of rendered brick, and you're thinking, okay, well, that's not that special. I'm sure you, I mean, you might live in a building that's made of rendered brick. There's nothing particularly particularly remarkable, uh, remarkable about that. Well, there is when you think about how old this temple is, because in comparison to many building materials, such as stone, Rendered brick is not particularly durable, not across the span of a thousand years or more. Um, And so the fact that the the, the temple is still standing, given what it's made of, that is truly remarkable. But not only is it built of brick, it is one of the most spectacular examples of Indian brickwork architecture. It is beautiful to look at. It's carefully decorated, uh, although much of the more detailed decorations are the result of restoration projects. A lot of them didn't survive the passage of time, as we'll talk about. But in any case, uh, as a tall, elongated pyramid with its its rich and intricate decorations, Mahabodhi Temple uh, was also notable uh, when it was built for being the tallest structure in all of India. And further, further to that, one of the tallest structures on the entire planet. It was taller than the Colosseum in Rome. It was taller than the uh, the Colossus of Rhodes when it was standing, although still nowhere near the height of something like the Great Pyramid of Giza. Uh, And it was, and it still is, it's not like it's moved, it was, uh, as I say, situated right next to where the Buddha is uh, said to have become enlightened. Uh, And and it's there today on that very spot that you'll find another sacred fig fig tree that is said to be a direct descendant of the original Bodhi tree, the one that that old mate uh, Buddha first sat under all those those, uh, thousands of years ago. And 
as a result of uh, of all of these factors, right? The location, its its splendor, the uh, the the Mahabodhi Temple immediately became an icon of the Buddhist faith and had a very very strong impact on the course of Buddhist architecture, both in India and beyond, uh, in many other places as well. Many shrines and temples built after Mahabodhi they take their architectural cues from it. Uh, as you can imagine, this was one of the most important Buddhist buildings on the face of the earth. However. Time comes for us all, and over the centuries, Mahabodhi Temple was not immune to the passing of the years and the decades, and then the centuries. It slowly fell into disrepair, uh, with the maintenance and upkeep of a Buddhist temple sometimes being put on the old back burner when the Indian subcontinent was being conquered by Muslims, for instance. Under the rule of governments like the Pala Empire, the very last major Buddhist empire on the subcontinent, uh, the Mahabodhi Temple did better for itself. It received repairs. It was looked after. But after the Hindu conquest of the Pala and after the Islamic conquest of most of India, Mahabodhi Temple suffered once more. It did survive. It did survive, even if Buddhism on the subcontinent very nearly didn't. But for a long time, Mahabodhi Temple was little more than a ruin. Its once grand pyramidal tower eroded and crumbling, although importantly, still standing. And it remained like that for a very, very long time, centuries and centuries, until the 19th century, under the colonial, colonial rule of the British. And it was then that Burmese Buddhists sought to fully restore this old temple and bring it back to a condition that befitted its standing as a holy location. Now, the British authorities were, thankfully, I'm happy to say, very supportive of Buddhist efforts to restore their Grand Temple, and there were notable British scholars and archaeologists and even military engineers who uh, joined the Buddhists in uh, in attempting to revitalise Mahabodhi Temple. It underwent a complete restoration, and uh, because this happened after the advent of photography, there are some absolutely fascinating photos of, uh, of this point in history, of this period of, of restoration. You can go online and, uh, and have a look at, uh, at, photos, not, at photos, not just before and after photos, but also during photos, right, that were taken at the time. Uh, you can see for yourself how the temple was brought back to life, how its, uh, its rather forlorn structure was bolstered, its decorations restored. And by the time we get to the 20th century, Mahabodhi Temple had returned to much of its former glory. But... As is the case with so many ancient monuments, restoration and preservation efforts never really stop. And even today, there are people who work to make sure the temple doesn't fall into disrepair again, make sure that it is uh, looking and uh, looking its best and, and, and in the best condition possible for future generations. However, restoration was not the only issue faced by the temple in the 20th century. As more and more Buddhists flocked to this newly rejuvenated site to worship, they were stunned to find that they weren't the only ones and that Mahabodhi Temple now sported Hindu icons and images. In the early 20th century, there was a huge disagreement between Buddhists and Hindus over the custodianship and control of Mahabodhi Temple because some Hindus had also taken to worshipping at the temple, believing the Buddha to be an incarnation of their god Vishnu. And this conflict continued for a long time, all the way through until India actually gained its independence. It, was, it wasn't until 1949 that the Budgaya Temple Management Committee was established, and uh, it, was, it was split, M membership of this committee was split between Hindus and Buddhists. Now, this didn't solve the problem altogether. Even today, Buddhists insist that control of the temple should be theirs alone. 
but there is um, there is a level of cooperation, I guess, between Buddhists and Hindus, and people of both faiths are now allowed to come to the temple and worship freely. Although there still is an international movement of Buddhists who still continue to pressure the Indian government on the issue, demanding that uh, custodianship of the of the temple is handed over to Buddhists exclusively. In fact. This isn't the only uh, controversy that has been uh, been centred on Mahabodhi Temple. Uh, it was only very recently, in fact, in the last couple of decades, that uh, some Buddhist monks were accused of illicitly lopping branches off today's Bodhi tree and selling them on the Buddhist black market and making quite a quite a pile of money for themselves selling these priceless. Well, I guess they weren't priceless. People actually did put a price on them, but they were worth an enormous amount. These sacred relics taken from a tree that is obviously said to descend from the very tree under which the Buddha attained enlightenment. There are all sorts of scandals. Of course, there's always a huge, always big money in religion, as evidenced in 2013, for instance, when the Thai monarchy donated 289 kilograms of gold to the temple to gild its upper levels. That is over $10 million in gold, uh, assuming, you know, it's nine carat gold, 20 million if you go up to 18 carat. Um, that'd be the highest of the century. Imagine that. Imagine stealing the Mahabodhi temple, mate. Whew, you'd, make a, you'd make yourself quite a pile. But um, there were other controversies and issues as well. The site was the location of an Islamic terror attack that same year in 2013. So Mahabodhi temple really still is, is in the thick of things, one and a half thousand years after it was first built. But its legacy as a colossally important Buddhist holy site cannot be denied. There are replicas of Mahabodhi Temple all around the Buddhist world, and that's quite aside from temples that aren't exact replicas but still show its clear influence uh, when it comes to design and architecture. But as the most important holy site in one of the world's biggest religions, a visit to Mahabodhi Temple should be very high on your list if you're in India, especially if you're, if you're up north in Bihar province. I would, however, advise leaving the secateurs at home if you do go along. Um, probably won't do yourself any favours looking to go to Mahabodhi Temple with a bit of uh, illegal black market pruning in mind. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 